Welcome to the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths Podcast. Join us as we speak the truth about home ownership, the housing market, and the place we call home, Hamilton. Come on in and make yourself comfortable. Hello there and welcome back to the Lodge Home Truths Podcast with another episode designed to guide you through the ins and outs of the property industry. I'm your host, Jeremy O'Rourke, Managing Director of Lodge Real Estate, and we'll be serving you up some home truths today related to becoming a landlord. If you're taking your first steps as a property investor, either buying an investment property or you're turning your current home into a rental, or even if you're a seasoned landlord with a significant portfolio, it pays to know what tenants are looking for, what renovations and what increases your yield and what type of properties you have with 3,700 properties stretched across the city. No better advice than from Lodge City Rentals and I have two of their best here today. Nick Elliotson is the Business Development Manager and Zach Cathcart is one of the top property managers. Welcome to you both. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks, Jerry. Before we uh, get started, we've got our regular segment of Two Truths and a Lie and I know that the two of you have prepared three statements, two of them being a truth and one of them being a lie. So if I can perhaps start with you, Nick, what are your three statements? Right. The first one is a new build must have a code of compliance issued before a new tenancy can start. This also applies to sleepouts. The second is if you're out of the country for more than 21 consecutive days, by law, you must appoint an agent who can act on your behalf. Thirdly, you can give the tenants 90 days notice to vacate with no reason. Well, I'll be interested to uh, hearing which one of those is a lie at the end of our session here today. Nick and Zach, if we can turn to you and get your three statements, please. Yes, so my first statement is increasing uh, interest rates puts pressure on rents increasing. My second statement is there is no limit on the amount that you can increase your weekly rent by. Um, My third statement is a rental property doesn't have to be fully healthy homes compliant when the tenancy commences. Well, again, I'm confused and I don't know which one of those is a lie, but uh, I'll be looking forward to taking notes at the end of today's session. So thank you, Zach. Right, team, let's get uh, cracking. If I'm starting a rental portfolio, if someone wants to turn their current home into a rental, what sort of things should they consider first? Maybe, uh, Nick, your best place to actually answer this. Yeah, so firstly, do the math. So does it make good financial sense in the current climate, taking into account Rental yield, tax, expenses, LVRs, if they're purchasing another property to live in and new build incentives. A good mortgage broker or financial sort of advisor or accountant can assist with figuring out your rental yield. I would also suggest getting in touch with Lodge City Rentals to give you a professional market rental appraisal and tips on how best to present and market your property to attract the best quality tenants. So there seems to be some sort of technical advice that may need to actually come from just outside, just the sphere of property management. We might need to actually involve um, our accountant and lawyer just to make sure that we're actually not coming un- unstuck. Would that be your surmise of that as well, Zach? Oh, no, definitely. No, 100% getting a, an external expertise and advice in, in those areas, particularly around tax at the moment. Um, it's becoming quite complex and then a lot of our clients actually need to get advice on that. So uh, yeah, as a property manager, uh, we deal with the day-to-day stuff, but a lot of the tax and, and financial side of things is something that sort of we do advise well, We to. can certainly point people in the right direction to go and get that advice. And uh, what I am interested in, and a lot of us live in quite comfortable homes, but that doesn't necessarily mean that they comply with healthy homes uh, all the time as well. So you guys would be involved in actually pointing people in the direction of the uh, people who can advise on, um, you know, is your comfortable 
house that you domicile yourself in good enough for uh, tenants in terms of their compliance with healthy homes. Would that be true? Yeah, no, definitely. And you will be surprised, Jerry, the the amount of properties that are coming to market, you know, that landlords are actually living in that are not complying. So, yeah, some of the landlords are getting a little bit of a shock when they get their Healthy Homes report come through from us and you need a heat pump and the insulation's failed. Or, and, and, yeah, so it's quite common. Oh, nice. So if we just tidy this up, the first port of call would be come and see the guys from Lodge City Rentals and you'll be able to point them in the right direction to get the advice that they might need because that advice might be bespoke on many occasions, would be fair. Absolutely. And we've got trusted professionals that we engage to do those jobs and offer that advice as well. Nice. Right. Dialing into what appeals to potential quality tenants, what should investors tick the box on when it comes to evaluating an investment property's suitability? And I know you've talked to me about this before, Zach, in terms of the best way to actually make property management easy is actually to select great tenants. So what are we looking at here? Definitely when we're evaluating an investment property suitability, we're looking at presentation, we're looking at location, are they located in good schooling areas, close to services like the, maybe the Waikato Hospital, the university. And we're also looking at the safety and security of that property, storage space, any new sort of renovations or additions that have been done at the property good parking or off-street parking and a good outdoor space. Low-maintenance properties, like they make the best rental investments, so just easy care properties for the tenants to look after. All right, I'd just like to pick up on something that you actually mentioned there because I I know that this is a, a subject that a lot of investors raise with me. What are the sorts of renovations that tenants value and actually adds value to rents as opposed to some of the renovations that get done that um, may be detracting? Yeah, no, that's a really yeah, really good question, Jerry. And to sort of summarise it, I do advise a lot of my clients to keep it basic. So I see a lot of landlords that, you know, come to me and they want to put in a designer-style kitchen and a tiled bathroom. And honestly, just keeping it basic. And if you do want to do those things, kitchens, bathrooms, obviously sell houses that, you know, they rent them as well. But I, I find from a value point of view, new carpet, paint, curtains, just little touches like that really appeal to tenants. And just having a functional and, and you know, a well-presented bathroom space, you know, those two spaces are not always necessarily crucial to getting, a, you know, adding value to your property. So you don't have to spend a lot of money on those sorts of renovations no. to actually increase. In fact, that would be detrimental to the rental yield. Yeah, yeah. Whereas if you make sure that, you know, if you've got threadbare carpet, that, that yeah. there's nice new carpet exactly. and everything's yeah. painted and presented immaculately, that would be a better spend of money. Exactly. Absolutely. Yeah, An interesting one, the healthy homes standards would certainly factor into any potential renovation. Are you still finding that properties require a lot of work to meet the standards or are most of them up to uh, speed? And maybe I'll just turn to you, Zach, to answer this because I know you've advised uh, my daughter Georgia recently on uh, tidying her house up and and getting that uh, ready for healthy homes. Yeah, so now we are finding, um, Jerry, that a lot of uh, new properties, particularly existing builds, obviously, are not healthy homes compliant, and um, yeah, a lot of work is needing to be done there. So, a lot of the you know landlords that are living in the properties at the moment, and then they're actually going to rent it out, they're actually quite surprised. You know, they go to me, oh, my house is warm, I don't need a, another heat pump, my insulation's fine, and I've got. Oh, look, here's the report. It you know hasn't um, complied. So I think a lot of landlords get a little bit frustrated because they go, well, I've lived in it. Why, why does my tenant have to have something? And that's yeah, that's a whole other debate. But yeah, that's something that we we do work through. And yeah, we've got contractors that get everything. And there are significant consequences for not getting those healthy home standards right. Is that the understanding here? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, MBs obviously doing audits and fines can be imposed on landlords for not complying. I think that most private landlords, I guess, in an understanding of the legality around it. So from the 1st of December 2020, landlords must include a statement of their current level of compliance with any tenancy agreement, either new or renewed. And between the 1st of July 2021 and July 2025, all private rentals must comply with the healthy home standards. Just this is within certain timeframes. So in most cases, this is within 120 days of a new or a new tenancy starting. So I think it's really important for private landlords especially to understand that. Particularly now that uh, MB are doing uh, audits on it, have we seen MB audit any of their properties that you guys have under management? Definitely. Yeah. Okay. So they they, they are very active out there uh, in the market and you want to make sure that you've actually got all your ducks in a row and that you're actually complying with the law because have we seen fines imposed on anything that, that isn't I compliant? I believe so. Oh, so they have been fines handed down? I believe so. Interesting. Of course, new tenants can now also do uh, renovations or minor renovations themselves since the Residential Tenancies Act was amended. Have you had many instances of these and what is the process, uh, what is the landlord protection for those minor renovations? Yeah, Jeremy, this certainly caused an uproar, like within landlords. It was a massive sort of scaremongering at the time of the amendment. And for us, it's really proven to be a non-issue, I would say. Um, Remember that these are only minor changes that the tenants can request to make, and they must return the property to relatively the same condition as it was in before the minor changes were made. I think some clarity around what minor changes sort of consist of too. Things like curtains replacing, they can maybe change the curtain as long as they reinstate the old ones or the landlord may agree to let them leave them. Visual fire alarms, doorbells, baby proofing and, you know, sort of any earthquake proofing, which doesn't apply necessarily to Hamilton properties, but they might want to fix bookshelves to walls and things like that. But we're not talking about structural changes or knocking out walls and those sorts of things. Absolutely not. And again, you mentioned, Nick, that they have to return it to the state that it was in when they rented it. So that would make you your pre-inspections and your post-inspections, however that works, quite crucial and and the documenting of it. Is that the process that you go through, Zach? Yes, yeah. Yeah. Now, once the property itself is ready to go and landlords need to ask themselves the big question, do they engage a property manager or go it alone? I'm listening to the complexities that actually occur just with healthy homes and um, this is something that I guess the team deal with every day. But uh, what's your advice there? The value of a property manager versus go it alone? Yeah, so I think as Jason mentioned in a previous podcast, a property manager can wear up to about 50 different hats. I think the biggest benefit for a landlord is really freeing up your time and energy to get off with other tasks um, that make up a huge part of our busy day-to-day lives. Property managers work alongside trusted tradespeople to take care of any sort of repairs and maintenance and conduct regular inspections. I think we also, the big part of it is we've got access to really robust background credit checking. And I think really importantly at the moment, is ID verification as well. So making sure that they are the person who they're saying they are. And I think that that's sort of a tool that a lot of private landlords wouldn't have access to. And I think there's a lot more identity sort of fraud yeah, definitely out, going out there. At the moment, yeah. And we, I mean, we've had a case we've uncovered um, recently. Yeah, that's yeah. gone to court at the moment. Oh, really? Mm, that we've been able to pick up within our system. Okay, so what we're talking about here is not just, hey, listen, we, uh, we collect your rent to take care of a little bit of maintenance. It's 
We're going to select your tenant. We have some robust processes around identifying the tenant, making sure they are who they are, say they are, making sure that they haven't had any previous issues with the property right through to identifying is it um, Healthy Homes compliant and, and providing all of the documentation so that if MB ordered us, we can make sure that we're actually compliant through to monitoring that tenancy with uh, regular inspections and not only just monitoring the tenancy, monitoring is our rent correct right through to when the tenant vacates and making sure that they leave it in an appropriate state. It's a, it's a all-encompassing, not just chuck the tenant in, leave it alone kind of scenario. Is that what I'm hearing? Absolutely, absolutely. And we are fielding a lot of sort of owner and private landlord phone calls at the moment that have got themselves into a really tricky situation and they're working out. I would, of- I would imagine tricky situation inadvertently, you know, like ignorance is probably one of the, when I talk to the property managers, when I spend some time, private landlord ignorance around some of the issues that are encapsulated within the property management industry at the moment are really catching them. Absolutely. And maybe getting emotionally involved with the tenant situations. And I think that's where a third party sort of removes all of that. Nice. There's another thing I was going to add just about why having a property manager is important. So what we're seeing at the moment, particularly uh, we're seeing a lot of people moving overseas and um, it's actually a legal requirement to have a property manager in place if you, know, if you are moving overseas. So particularly in my sort of age bracket for younger landlords, you know, and young professionals, there's floods of people leaving at the moment and just searching for better careers and better money overseas. So that's where I, I personally picked up a lot of management. So, and a lot of people don't even know that, that that's a legal requirement. So, well, And simply leaving it to mum and dad with all of the complexities going on in that market yeah. at the moment just sounds really like unfair. Definitely, yeah. Absolutely. We spoke briefly about making sure that we were charging appropriate rent and we didn't um, become too emotionally involved with the uh, tenant and I love my tenant so much that I just keep the rent a little bit lower so that they stay in for longer. What sort of access to data, Nick, do we have that just ensures that we're charging a uh, fair rent and that we adjust that over time? What does that process look like? Yeah, I mean, there's several ways to collect that data and I sort of use a combination and put them all together and we come up with where we see market rent sitting at. So companies have an online system that we use that it's sort of only company specific and that takes into market rents in the area and takes into account things like school zones. Tenancy Services also has a really handy online market rent tool. You can just enter the address and it'll do a low, median and high market rent. So then you determine the quality of the property and whether that property sits within them. We also, obviously, we use market um, data that's available to everyone, such as trade me and realestate.co.nz. What I would just say is when looking at these public forums, just compare the rents from reputable rentable companies, not private landlords or startup companies. Okay, so... I can understand that when we uh, establish the rent for the property when of tenants first going in, but I know a lot of our tenants now are staying in properties for longer. What sort of process do we have for reviewing their rent over time? Also by using those tools that I just said, so they, they're moving with the market as well. So everything that, because you can only review sort of increased rents once a year, then we're just looking at the market again and using all those tools to assess where those rents have gone within that year. So the property manager, because they've got so much data coming into them, we're managing over 3,700 properties across the uh, city, many of them being like properties. We have that knowledge and you know we've flagged when a property comes up for its 12-month anniversary to just re-look at that and say, hey, listen, is it still fair? 
or should some sort of adjustment um, occur? And I guess being a little bit removed from the uh, tenant, you're a little bit more dispassionate, you can just simply make that call and also have in the back of your mind that maybe there's not that many other options for a person to go to because, you know, the market is reasonably full. So would that be the sort of thing that um, you would actually do in your day-to-day dealings with properties, Zach? You'd uh, simply just um, have it flagged every 12 months and uh, yeah, and make those increases. Yeah, yeah, definitely. All right. To the both of you, maybe Zach, you go first on this one. <laughs> From your experiences of working with landlords, what tips would you give a newbie landlord, perhaps based on some of the maybe horror stories that you've actually seen or some of the people who have actually turned up who might be private landlords and they've got themselves in a tangle? I know David Kneebone speaks about this sort of thing quite fluently. Zach, have you had any of those sort of experiences? Definitely, yeah. I'm dealing with one at the moment, Jerry, where a private landlord's come to me uh, three months after he's put a tenant in the property. Basically, it's just gone to custard because, you know, a whole lot of reference checks are frauded, falsified. And um, yeah, we're, we're just dealing with that at the moment. But I'd say that's probably the biggest thing. And, and that's probably one of the most important parts of property management. I'd, you know, we say it all the time, Jason drills it into us. And selecting the right tenant for your property is, is 90% of the job. If you've got a good tenant and a good property, and we have access to, like Nick said earlier, photo uh, ID verification, you know, tenancy tribunal checks reference checks you know we have access to property guru so we can verify that all these references are true i mean when i started in in the industry four and a half years ago i was um, meeting people every day and i was a young young guy just out of university and i met all these people and and you'll be surprised the the things you find out and you uncover with people when you do go through and and do those background those reference and and those checks and and uh, it's certainly quite eye-opening and it's a very thorough process now so what I'm hearing, your advice to a brand new newbie investor is select the tenant right, and the only way you can select the tenant right is come see Lodge City Rentals so we can put our processes in, in place to actually get the right <laughs> yeah. tenant. Essentially, yeah. Otherwise, like I said, this, this landlord's, um, yeah, he's got a headache and a half. It's only been three months into the tenancy, and it's um, it's going to be a big tidy-up job. And So that's something that you get yourself involved in uh, directly. You you help untangle that, that mess? So that's something that we have historically um, done. We do charge a fee for that. Yeah, we're sort of at a bit of a crossroads with this one because it's um, quite a big one. Might be significantly legal from the sounds of it. What about you, Nick? If I turn to you, you're a you know, business development manager, you're bringing on, you manage the whole time. What would your advice be to newbie investor? Yeah, so I engage a property manager. If you don't, then, and you're going to manage it yourself, I guess, be aware of all of the, the pitfalls. And I think the biggest thing about engaging a property manager is we're process orientated. So we follow processes. We have robust processes. If something's going to go wrong, we have a process. So yeah, having that security and trust in a property manager to follow those processes. Yeah, and the way processes are developed is by experience. And so having the uh, experience of um, so many property managers and has helped develop those processes so that when you do actually hit a wall, you actually know how to actually work your way through it. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think, yeah, disengaging the mo- an emotional side of it is also, yeah, a huge part as we said. Essential, yeah. yeah, that's what I'm hearing. Okay, uh, back to our regular feature, two truths and a lie. And I'm going to start with uh, you, Nick. You had three statements that we started out. Which one of those can we uncover as a lie? Okay, so you can no longer give the tenants 90 days notice to vacate with no reason. As of 2021, this was a change to the RTA and an amendment here. So previously you were able to give a tenant 90 days notice and you didn't have to give a reason and you could reclaim your property. So now we have to actually give them a reason. What would be the reasons that are valid? Because I'm I'm assuming if we have to give a reason, we just can't give 
any reason, what type of reasons would we be looking at? Okay, the property could be on sale. So we'd give them notice that if we wanted the property to be vacant in order to market it or vacant upon settlement, uh, we can give notice for extensive renovations. There's a lot of processes behind that notice that we need to be aware of. And uh, if an owner wants to move back into the property as well, we can give notice or a family member. Okay, and it's 90 days notice. Um, just turn, if we, if we can, to that sale. So we can market a property for sale with a tenant in place. That's still... Absolutely. Okay, and if that property was to uh, to sell with vacant possession, we would then have to give the 90 days notice. Yes. If we gave the 90 days notice because we wanted a vacant property to offer to market, we would have to give that now and wait the 90 days or until the tenant vacated before we could then market the property for sale. Is that right? Correct. Okay. So again, RTA has been quite clear and just actually cleaning up the reasons that we can actually do it and, and, and the processes that we need to follow, which is quite helpful. Absolutely. Zach, I'll turn to you. Three statements at the start of the segment. Which one was them? Was a mistruth? Uh, that was increasing interest rates put pressure on rents increasing. So look, our market's economics 101. It's supply, it's demand. So at the moment, we just have a massive demand for rental properties and the, the supply is just not there. So that's what's really pushing the, the rents up at the moment. I do get it all the time from landlords. You know, my, my interest rate's gone up. I want to put my rent up to this amount. We, we actually have to justify that your property is actually worth that much. So yeah, an external factor like interest rates don't have a direct impact on our on our market. And we can only put uh, rents up once per 12-month period anyway. So unfortunately, the banks don't have that same discipline. Well, that's all we've got time for uh, today, team. Thanks very much again to my guests, Nick Elliotson and Zach Cathcart. Make sure you subscribe to the Home Truths podcast and we'll be back next time with some great insights into the real estate uh, industry. Thank you both. Cheers, Jerry. Thanks, Jeremy. Thanks for joining us on the Lodge Real Estate Home Truths podcast. Learn more about today's topic and our panel guests by visiting our website, lodge.co.nz.